Welcome to the Principles of Success, and today's episode is on debt. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There is nothing worse than debt and taxes. We're talking about debt this week, and we're talking about taxes next week, so listen for that as well. If you want to be financially successful, you need to learn about debt. So debt is a tool. It is a tool of the financial world. And you can be either the victim of the tool or the user of the tool, But I really like Warren Buffett's quote. Uh, Debt is like a two-edged sword that you hang above your head and hoping it doesn't fall. Debt is a tool, and in fact, due to the inflations we're dealing with, debt can actually be a really useful tool, which we'll talk about here in a second. But debt is a very dangerous tool, and that's what I really want to hammer home at first. Debt is dangerous. It is very, very dangerous. And if you think you're clever enough to use debt to your financial advantage, that is a risk that you are taking. Now, a lot of financial people will say that it's a risk worth taking. A lot of others will say it's not. That is up to you to decide. In my own personal expertise, there is very few instances where you should ever go into debt. And we'll talk about that more here in a sec too. So first, let's talk about how screwed over you got with the invention of the credit card and mortgage. So we're not going to really talk too much in depth about mortgages because mortgages have been around for a long time. And we're going to talk about them here more in a uh, few episodes. But credit cards screwed over, especially the American people screwed over the middle class and the poor, dreadfully. Before the invention of credit cards, which was roughly in the 60s, there was no such thing as easy credit. If you wanted something, you had to pay for it. You had to save your money and earn it. But post-credit, consumerism became super easy, and you could buy everything that you ever dreamt of. And with that same mentality, they decreased the requirements for mortgages and loans so you could buy fancier and fancier and fancier houses and fancier and fancier and fancier cars. And then for all the little stuff, you could just put it on your credit card. No big deal. All of these are a nice little tool to steal as much money from you as possible and put it into the banker's pockets. There's not very many investments that you can do that give you a 22% return. So bankers love credit cards. They get a 22% for every dollar they give you. And that you foolishly enough uh, decide to borrow and spend on restaurants. There are people who will have to climb out of a massive credit card pit because they chose to eat out a ridiculous amount of times and put it all on credit. 
So in case you didn't get the memo, the point of this segment is credit cards are bad and you should not be using them for personal purposes. Fun fact, bankers, like credit um, card people, they have a name for people who use their credit cards responsibly. They're called deadbeats because they don't produce any money for the bank. So by being responsible, you are considered a loser according to the banks because they don't make any money off of you. And if you're really diligent about your finances, they actually lose money off of you due to like higher-end credit cards with reward programs. Don't get me wrong. Just like all other forms of debt, credit cards are an extremely useful too, tool. I have um, a credit card that is currently maxed out right now for business a business card. However, that's because it is currently at 0% interest. So it was free money, and I have the money to instantly pay it off if needed. But by having it on credit, I have access to extra capital at 0% interest. However, I also use that for business purposes and not personal purposes, which we'll talk about more in a sec. So people got screwed over by credit cards being invented, and, it, and the bankers love it. Now let's talk about mortgages and auto loans, two other forms of credit that are super, super easy to acquire for personal uses. We definitely don't have enough time to go in depth, but you should never take out a loan for a vehicle, period. There's not any financial person I know of that says you should do this. A vehicle is a depreciating asset, meaning it loses money as soon as you purchase it. If it gets into a wreck, it's worth plummets unless you pay exorbitant amount of insurance, which takes away your cash flow for other purposes to have full, full coverage for it. And then they still don't give you the same amount. Like if you wreck a 2000 a $200,000 car, they might give you a $190,000 car. Yes, I know that was much bigger numbers, but I don't buy new cars, so I had to think for a second. So never buy, especially never buy a new car, but you should very, very, very rarely ever buy a car with a loan. If you are paying more than a few thousand dollars for your vehicles, you are wasting money. Now, yes, I know the nice car looks good, but there are so many successful people, including myself, that drive super ghetto cars and people make fun of you for it. But I have 10 acres. You have a fancy car. Priorities. Speaking of 10 acres, let's move over to the mortgage. I don't have 10 acres on mortgage, meaning the bank owns 10 acres. I have 10 acres. I think I'm going to cut that section out. So let's talk about mortgages. This is always one of my least favorite topics to talk about um, financially because one, people's opinions on this vary drastically, but two, no one likes to hear my opinion on this. So let's dive right into it. Financially speaking, there is hardly any reason why you should ever buy a house for personal use. Now, if you're a young buck in a college town uh, who doesn't have a wife and kids and can split a mortgage with roommates, 
That's called house hacking. And we'll talk more about all that stuff in real estate. But if you are purchasing a house so that way you're not wasting your money on rent, I'm sorry, but you have been lied to. And yes, I know rent is shooting up, but the housing market is even more insane. The one pro that houses have is that they are somewhat um, inflation resilient, which I believe we talked about in the inflation episode with real estate. But to mathematically, just to rush on with this subject, you do not break even on irrecoverable financial loss. Basically what that means is when you uh, pay your realtor, when you include all of the house maintenance, when you include the down payment lost um, opportunity cost to invest in other things, when you include all of that, you will not break even for money lost until you have lived on in that property for 10 years. That means you cannot move. It means you cannot relocate for uh, professional advancement, whether it's for a career or seeking an opportunity elsewhere. Uh, and if anything financially bad happens, like a recession or you just lose your job for some reason then there's a good chance of you losing your money that went into the house. So that's on a financial purpose. Personal purposes, there's a lot of reasons why you should buy a house, but that's not what we're talking about here today. So this is all personal debt that we've been talking about so far. I'm running out of time, but so far we have talked about personal debt. Debt as a business tool can be very useful, but again, it's a two-edged sword. You need to be careful for when you use debt in business purposes. So now we're going back to why I have a maxed out credit card. We are currently in an inflationary spiral, as you all are well aware. And I just so happened to have access to a 0% interest debt for the next 12 months. Which means I could buy stuff for the business now and not pay the inflated cost Um 12 months down the road and take advantage of that capital. However, usually inflation is really low. Well, sort of. Relatively low compared to what we are experiencing right now. Most people don't notice the inflation fluctuation increasing each and every month. And usually, particularly credit card debt, has interest on it. Very high interest on it. So most of the times this is not a strategy that you should pursue for your business purposes. This is a on rare occasions where debt is useful. But this dives into the subject of OPM, other people's money. This is fancy financial talk for debt. But they call it OPM because it sounds nicer. And don't get me wrong, OPM is extremely useful, especially in real estate. In real estate, you can use 80% OPM bankers money in fact, you can <clears throat> in fact, you can use even higher percentages in some cases of OPM to acquire assets that cash flow, which means you borrow money, you get money and, um, coming into your pocket every month, and you have a tenant that pays down the debt for you. That's one example of OPM. Another example is angel funding for business, and this one can and is sometimes recommended be useful 
if you're wanting to start a um, giant video game company, or if you're wanting to start a video game company, creating a triple A game like Skyrim or Call of Duty, the big games, those games cost a hundred million dollars to produce. Now, you'll make lots and lots of money from them, but they cost like a hundred million dollars to produce. You're not going to save your way to that. That's where angel funding comes in, of OPM, other people's money. That's why businesses seek investors. However, there's also the investorpreneurs, that I call them. And these guys are like, hey, I have a business idea. I need money to start this business idea. And they go into debt to start the business. And then they find out that the business, and usually the debt they go into, isn't angel investors. It's their credit cards. They go debt into starting the business. And then they quickly realize that their business was a terrible idea. If there isn't for... Most businesses, especially most small one-person shop businesses where you're not trying to collect a giant team, most of those businesses should not be seeking investors. They should be viable from the get-go. And this is the risk of cheap money because you you don't, of debt money, I should say. Uh, you don't think about how to start producing money immediately for the business. You think about how do I acquire more investors, aka how do I go more into debt? And we'll talk about business more in a little bit. Because there's one more subject I want to talk about, and I am running low on time. Time to talk about interest. Interest is the magical thing that creates, when you have debt, you owing more money. If you borrow 100 bucks and there's a 10% interest per month, then you can't just pay them back a hundred bucks in a month, you have to pay them back a hundred and ten bucks in a month. Interest is not fun when you are on the receiving end of it. But on the other side of the coin, where you are the lender, particularly when you invest in businesses, interest can be fun. So how do you do this? Well, there's lots of ways you can do it, especially like, I believe there's hard money lender groups that will lend, that you can pool your money together and lend out to like house flippers and such who are using debt to try and do real estate. Um, but where interest really shines is in compound interest, which we'll talk about here in a sec. I realize there's one more thing I want to talk about. When you are borrowing money, interest matters. This is why some people don't fret about mortgage, why some financial people say, go ahead and get a mortgage for your house. Because mortgage rates are one of the lowest interest rates that you can get for money. So you can buy a nice house, have it all on credit, uh, and then use the money instead of paying off your house to invest in stuff and maximize profits. Because if you can get 10% in the stock market and your house only costs 4%, well, then your money is doing better in the stock market than um, if it was going towards your house. However, that's called what I call percentage arbitraging and is very dangerous. And we'll talk about that more in the stock market episode. But there are times when debt makes sense. Like even let's say if I didn't have... Um, even if we weren't in an in a inflationary spiral right now, sometimes buying debt 
or buying equipment on credit, not necessarily credit card, but like equipment payments will make sense. That's a 10% payment on, let's say, $3,000. That is, well, first off, 10% APR is um, 10% over the entire course of the year. So let's just say 12%, so we can say 1% per month. Uh, 3,000, 1%, that's a whopping 30 bucks per month to gain access to this $3,000 piece of equipment, which you might not have $3,000. Well, if that piece of equipment makes more money in a day than 30 bucks, then that's an example where debt might be useful. But again, debt is a two-edged sword. And yes, I'm using a real-world example that I did or thought about because I actually ended up using the credit card to do it because I had a lot of free 0% credit. It also frees up the capital. Uh, another thing to consider is that when you go are borrowing debt, you it frees up capital for other purposes. Like, yes, I can afford the $3,000 equipment, but I'm you might not necessarily be able to afford the $3,000 equipment, the other $500 piece of equipment, the other $500 piece of equipment. So you put the $3,000 piece of equipment on payment and you buy cash for the other pieces of equipment. And they all pay themselves back within a month, but you still have to go temporarily into debt to acquire the piece of equipment up front. And that's the last point on debt that I probably should talk about. And that is long-term debt is dumb. My rule is if you can't pay it off within, reasonably pay it off within a couple of months, then you shouldn't have it. If it's personal debt, you shouldn't do it, period. But if it's business debt, if the piece of debt that you are purchasing does not equate to increased financial cash flow enough to pay it back fairly quickly, then you don't need it then. So the last subject I want to talk on real quick since I'm out of time, is compound interest. Compound interest is really cool because when you let other people borrow money, your money starts growing really fast. So if I let you borrow, I've already talked about compound interest with the compound effect. Uh, go back and listen to those episodes. But essentially, when you let somebody borrow 10 bucks um, at, let's say, if you let somebody borrow 100 bucks at 10% interest in a month, they owe you a hundred and ten bucks. Well, the next month they owe you a hundred and twenty-one bucks because you got the additional one dollar from them owing you ten. Well, the next month they owe you a hundred and thirty-three bucks because it just keeps adding up, and eventually the money starts replicating itself really fast. This is the secret behind student loan debt is that they don't want you to ever actually pay it off. They want you to pay the bare minimum and have it constantly create new money for them that you have to pay off over your life. This, well, this is the secret behind all debts, but the student loan debts are particularly vile because they're the one debts that you can't ever get out of without paying. They're like, ah, you're 18 years old. You must know exactly what you're doing now. Sign this dotted line that will indebt you to us for life. And no, I don't have student loan debt. I'm not that bitter about it. But it does suck for everyone who falls for that scam. But compounding really gets cool once you get into the higher percentage interests. If you have a 50% compound rate, 100 bucks turns into 150 bucks, which turns into 
So you gain 50 bucks the first month, you gain 75 bucks the second month, you gain, and you gain like a 115 bucks the third month. So compound interest is really good, and that really comes into play with the stock market, which we will talk about here more in just a few more weeks. So with that, I'm going to end today's episode. It feels like it, the flow wasn't too smooth, but hopefully post-editing, everything will turn out great. And with that, I will see you all next week.